Thank you guys so much for listening to the Family Worship Center podcast. This podcast is our weekly messages that happen at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday here at Family Worship Center. Don't forget to check out our website at myfwc.tv and follow us on all social media. If one of these messages touched you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on our website or on any of our social media pages. Simply put, we exist to partner with God in changing the quality of families' lives. We hope you enjoy this message. And uh, Pastor Pat um, attended there and helped out there for quite some time. And there have been ministers that are now spread all across the United States, leading churches and being a part of ministries everywhere that have come out of that church. Worship leaders, pastors, staff members, ton of people that came out of that Lighthouse Church. And so pastors there in Owen County today because they're celebrating their 40th year anniversary as a church. And so a lot of the people that were involved with the Lighthouse back in the day have come back to be a part of that service. So uh, Frank and Leanne were originally part of that team, Pastor Pat. And so all those guys are down there at 1045 today is when their service starts. And they're going to be taking um, part of that. So he sends his blessing and his love. Uh, but really excited to get to be a part of that and to see a lot of people that he hadn't seen in a while. So he was very, very excited about that. So I just wanted to let you know that. Also, um, we got a lot of stuff uh, that went on this past week. We had our, our church in the park service. Our kids went to camp. Um, we hosted um, a funeral for Miss Linda's husband um, yesterday. And I just want to say thank you because the work that you put in, um, the tithes and offerings that you are obedient to give to God really does go towards making ministry happen to people. And without every single person playing their part, it just doesn't work out the same. So I just want to say from Pastor's Heart and the staff, um, it means so much. When we hook up with Christ's vision for this church and we're obedient with our gifts and our talents and our tithes, it really is amazing what can be done in the body of Christ just through our obedience. So whether you've been here for a short amount of time or maybe you've been serving for a lot of years, we just want to say thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. It's a big thing. We believe that there's a great season ahead of us as a church, and it's going to take more of people finding their place to make that happen. And so thank you so much for being a part of all that. So um, we're going to continue on with the series that Pastor Pat started last week, um, just to give you a a little update about my week. So uh, my wife and I actually just went out of town from Wednesday night, and we got back uh, a little bit later in the evening yesterday, and we um, did a part of the Sheltoe Trace Trail hiking. Anybody ever heard of the Sheltoe Trace Trail? So it cuts all the way through Kentucky from just above Moorhead all the way down through Tennessee to the big, big South Fork National Recreation Area. So it's 325 miles total. So uh, we kind of have it on our hearts as a couple to hike this over the next several years. So we did a, uh, what was supposed to be a 17-mile section, ended up being 19 because I thought I knew the way. Got us a couple miles off track. It's a really steep stuff, but it's a super remote trail, and uh, it was super fun. So we didn't see another person the whole time. We brought our hammocks, and hammock camped at night. Uh, we did six miles the first day, 10 miles the second day, and then finished out um, yesterday. And we brought our dog Axel along. It's his first uh, like overnight hiking trip that he's ever done with us, and he killed it. I have a couple pictures I was going to show you guys just because he looked absolutely adorable. Check it out. 
Part of that was because he looked awesome. The second was he packed his own food and water so we didn't have to pack it. He got to pull his own weight, you know. You can keep going. Yeah, that was our hammock camp set up. That was him following along. He was worn out. He slept ever since then. And so that's the uh, Cumberland River right there. Uh, so it has the wild scenic river status in Kentucky. So there's not any commerce that goes on in this section. It's maintained its wildness, which there are very few bodies of water that are left like that in the state. And that was him on the way home. Slept the entire way home. He was tired. But I said all that to say, one, we're tied in with thoughts. I thought I knew the way of the trail and got us lost a couple times. But I also said all that to say that I might sit for part of this service today. Is that all right? Because my legs are tired. We, we hoofed it, and it was some really, really steep terrain. But we're going to continue on this uh, series called Get Your Head On Straight. How many of you guys have ever been told that in your life, like, get your head on straight? How many of you guys have also been assisted maybe with the smack to the back of the head to assist you in getting your head on straight when you've been off course, right? And so um, if you remember what Pastor talked about last week, he really talked about that we are uh, we have a body, we are a spirit, we have a, a body, and we have a soul. He talked about the three parts of a being, right? So our spirit is the most alive. It is the most true form of us, but we also have, uh, a, we live in a body, right? A physical body that we need to take care of, but we also have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our thought life, and um, what this series is all about is to show you that those three things don't have to be at odds with one another. Our spirit can bring our body and our soul, our mind, our thoughts, all into alignment with it if we allow it to. But if we ignore the fact that we do have three parts of our being, those other two, can, we can go through our whole life without those things being in alignment with God and his word. Because our spirit is the most true form of ourselves. But our body can get out of whack our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts can get out of whack and get unaligned from God's word, but it doesn't have to be that way. And that's what we're talking about today. How do we get our thought life? How do we, how do we take um, our thoughts and make them line up with God's word? And what effect does that truly have on our lives? So they can be in harmony with one another when we choose to feed our spirit, man, and submit the other two parts of our being to God. So it all comes down to what are we feeding more? Are we feeding more of our spirit? Are we taking in God's word and God's presence? Are we allowing outside forces to talk, to give us their opinions on situations that are outside of the word of God? Which one are we feeding more? Because that will choose what path we're taking in life. Because here, I'll tell you this, that your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life, my life, all of our lives in here will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And the reason that that is, is because thoughts get down in our heart, and when they get down in their, in their heart, we begin to believe them, and when we believe them, we act on them. So it goes from our head to our heart, and eventually to our hands. I guarantee you that every bad decision that you made started with either your own bad thought on something, or somebody else fed you a bad thought. How many of you had those friends in your life, right? You just get that look on your face, you're like, man, you're going to get us in trouble again, right? But every decision that you've made, bad decision, has come from either a wrong thought in your mind or a wrong thought from somebody else that has been fed to you. Because it goes from our heart, from our head to our heart, 
and eventually it is the fruit of our hands. So the Bible talks a ton about our thoughts, and I believe that it speaks a lot about it because most of the battles in our life are won or lost starting in our thought life. And most of the setbacks that we have are a result of our wrong thinking. I wrote this down. That's why it's called the battlefield of the mind. Most battles are already over once we've made up our minds and before we even put action to it. And so when the scripture talks about our thought life, it really talks about it from an offensive place. So it's not just like, hey, these are your thoughts. Some are good, some are bad. The Bible says things like take thoughts captive. Right, It talks about a, a physical action, like being on the offense with our thoughts. And I think that is because he knows the importance of the seed of a thought and how quickly it become, can become fruit in our lives. And so when we think about it, we have to be aggressive with our thought life. We have to be aggressive. Go after those things that are not of God. And we're going to look at a couple scriptures here in a minute that really uh, help kind of drive that home. But I believe it's true because you don't, Know what when you don't know what to do with your thoughts, you will end up tangled up in lies and wrong thinking about both yourself and God. And so that's the the two points that we're gonna talk about today is we have to have the right thinking about both God and ourselves. Because wrong thinking about God will set us up for failure, and wrong thinking about ourselves, whether it's feeling like we're not worthy enough, or maybe it's feeling like we've made too many mistakes. Or maybe it's feeling like we're not accepted and we somehow need to earn God's love. Guys, that's a lie that I believe for a long time. I have a, a super strong work ethic uh, from my dad's side. He was, he's an amazing man, worked hard his entire life. Uh, but I allowed that lie to trickle over into my relationship with God that the more that I could do for God, the more that I could earn love. And that is just not the case. And so that was a wrong thought about God that was affecting my life in a negative way. So when we look at our thoughts, we have to make sure we have those two lined up. Do we believe the right things about God, and do we believe the right things about ourselves? Because how many of you guys know that thoughts can send you on an emotional roller coaster? Have any of you guys been ran up and down and around the hill and anxiety and depression and blah, 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 because you can't seem to get a grip on what's going on in your mind? Have you guys ever had a situation like that? And, and you go, and as long as you stay busy, you're fine, but you sit down at home, and it starts coming back again because you get quiet, and it starts creeping up because thoughts are very, very powerful, and our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So we're going to start with this. What are our thoughts about God? Because we have to get that lined up. Who do you believe that God is? God asks this question, Jesus asked this question in scripture, and I think it's timely for us still today as well. We're going to read out of Matthew 6, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region, region of Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So here Jesus is, he's asking his disciples, who are people saying that I am? When they talk about me, who are they saying? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And I love verse 15. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Okay, these guys have been walking with Jesus, right? They're going through life. They're doing ministry. He's healing people, doing miracles. And he's saying, listen, what's everybody saying about me? And I feel like this is applicable today. What has everybody in your life, mentors, preachers, all the stuff that they've said about God, 
although it may be true, you need to know that stuff for yourself. You need to be settled. We as Christians need to be settled in who God is in our own self. So he's saying, who do people say they are? They said, some are saying John the Baptist. Uh, some are saying that uh, you're one of the prophets. And he says, okay, all that's good and great, but who do you say that I am? And I love Peter's answer right here. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you this, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What's the significance in that? Peter had a foundation of who God was. And upon that foundation of having the right thoughts about God, he said that he would build his church. If you want the kingdom of God to be loosed in your life and you want to experience the blessing and the healing and the favor and the, the, the significance, all that stuff that's found in the kingdom of God, if you want that in your life, that can only be built on a foundation of knowing who God is. Because that's what he said to Peter. Upon what you just said, that I am the son of God, I will build my church. You know that God wants to build his church in your life? What's God's church? It's, pre it's his presence. It's his peace. It's his love. It's showing or sharing the gospel and the good news with other people. All that is the kingdom of God. And he's saying to us that he will build that upon our life if the foundation is there. And the foundation is the right thinking about who God is. So who is he to you? We all get to answer that question. And what Peter knew about God did not come from people, but it came from God himself. And so, here we are. We come to church every single week. We get fed the word of God, which is really, really good. It's great to sit under God's teaching. But do you know these things of God to be true for yourself? We all have to ask that question. Like we hear God as a healer. We sing about him being more than enough. Is that our foundation personally as well? Because upon that, he'll build, he'll build his church. Do you know enough about God to be settled on who he is and have you spent time with them to know him well? That's how you get to know people. I know Jerusha very, very well. We spend a lot of time together. I mean, we had no cell phone service and didn't see a single soul. And unlike a lot of the movies, the dog didn't talk to us on this trip. And so we got to know each other even more. We haven't done a quiet trip like that in a while. What's our quiet time with God look like? Are we getting to know him more and more? Are we exploring his word? Are we settled in ourselves in who he is? I love this verse in Hebrews eleven six. It says it this way, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe two things, must believe that he is. So that's the first thing that we need to believe. If we're gonna have faith, we have to believe that God is who he says he is. That's the first thing. And we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we have to know that he is who he says he is, and that if we seek him, that he will reward those who seek after him. And when we believe that he is who he says he is, that opens up a world of possibilities in our lives. Because there's an area of our life where we might not believe that God is who he says he is. If he's more than enough, then we have to look at those situations in our life where we have a wrong thought of this is how it's always going to be and this is just how it's going to end up. And we have to say, no, 
because if he is who he says he is, he'll reward me when I seek him. So that's the first thing. We've got to have that foundation and the right thoughts about God. And secondly, is we have to know what we think about ourselves. Do we see ourselves how Christ sees us? Because if we don't have Christ's perspective of ourselves, uh, we'll be in a mess in our lives. Because our thoughts will run us in the dirt if we don't know what Christ says about us. Because what does Scripture say? As a man thinks... So is he. We go the way of our strongest thoughts. And so what God says is the final word. So when he calls us loved, that means we're loved. When he calls us more than enough, that means that we're more than enough because we have to see ourselves through the lens of who God says. So what happens when we don't feel that way? We still have to, in faith, believe it. That's where faith comes in, right? It's to see things that not as though they were. Right? It's to look at a situation and not see where God's moving, but know that he is more than enough and promises that he will move in our lives if we have faith. So when we don't feel that way, we have to trust what God says about us. It's like this. Christ calls us righteous, right? Without sin, standing blameless before God. How many guys have ever lived a life that you would coin the term righteous on? I'll put my hand down as well. None of us, right? But God calls us righteous. So there's some tension there. He calls us righteous, but we don't live that way. And here's what God showed me uh, this week. We've been going through a book with our small group called The Search for Significance. One of the things that he said, it's all about God's answer to the issues in our life. And one of the things that it talks about in that book is when God calls us righteous, but we don't feel righteous, how can we get to that place? And it simply comes down to believing what God says about us. Because what happens is, God is saying, here we are living our lives with our sin nature, serving God, and God's saying, listen, you are righteous, blameless, without sin. And God is inviting us up to this spiritual level with him. It's like a new spiritual level. It's something that we can't get to on our own, that we can't earn, but God called us righteous. And when we begin to dwell on that, get this right thought in our mind, and begin to believe that, and it drops down in our hearts, we will begin living righteous it's a belief that will take us to the next level it's like this it's like having a million dollars in the bank and not knowing about it so you live like a poor man right and that is available to you been given to you your name is on the bank account but if you don't know it is there and you don't know it exists you'll never take that money out the same things with the Word of God. He has said so many things about us, but if we don't know what He says and we don't believe what He says, we'll never have the opportunity to draw off of God's goodness because we don't know it. We haven't focused on it. We don't believe it. So allow for God to bring us up to that next level, to bring us up into His promises. Choose to believe because I promise when you start dwelling on those promises of God, you will start living a better life. Why? Because God's grace will help you to that next level, right? We don't serve a God who doesn't understand what we're going through, but we can come boldly to the throne of grace. He's extending a hand down always to lift us to the next level, but it all starts with the right thoughts versus the wrong thoughts. So let's talk about some enemies of our thought life real quick. Pastor wanted me to touch on these this week. So we know, 
We have to believe that God is who he says he is. We have to have the right thing, the thought, right thoughts about ourselves as well. But here are some enemies that can get in the way of strong and positive and godly thinking in our lives. Number one, Satan. Right? We all know he is the enemy. He, he, if he can capture our thought life, he knows that he can render us helpless in areas of our life. And here's the thing. There's nothing new under the sun. He's the same. He doesn't create anything. He just takes what God has done and perverts it a little bit. Right? That's what we see in the Garden of Eden. God says, hey, don't eat the fruit from that tree, Adam and Eve. And then Satan comes along. He's like, but did he really say? How many of you guys did that as a kid? Went up to your mom and asked her something. Then she says no. She says, yeah, but did she technically say no? Or did she not let me go over to Johnny's because, like, she didn't want me on the road? I could cut through the backyard and still get there, right? It's that, like, justification thing. And this is what he's doing. He's like... Did God really say not to eat that? I think his motivation was that, you know, if you ate it, you'd be just as powerful as he is. So he took something of God's and perverted it just a little bit. And that's how he works. So if he's an enemy of our thought life, that's why it's so important to know what God's word says and to have the ability to go back and look it up in scripture and to know that it isn't a lie of the enemy. And what scripture says is super clear. He says, Listen, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So that's how you take care of him. Hold it up against the word of God. If it doesn't hold water, you're done. I'm not going to believe that thought. Satan, I, I, I want you out of my head, out of this battlefield of my, my mind. I am choosing not to engage in what you are trying to get me to dwell on. The second thing is this, temptations of the world. This one's a little bit more tricky uh, because this whole idea of groupthink is, is really powerful. It's where, you know, an idea starts small, but a lot of people get behind it, and then soon enough, it's just kind of the norm in society. And honestly, I think it has something to do with big cities. I think it's like a weird aquarium effect. When you shove millions of people in like a six-square-mile city and everything that they need is like, a one-mile walk down the road. I think something weird happens there with people's brains. But some of the worst ideas and things that are against God's word come out of cities like that. I don't know what it is, but there's something that goes on there. But this whole idea of just because society has taken an idea and adopted it, don't let society creep into your heart and your relationship with God. Right? That's why we stand on the fact of what marriage is here at Family Worship Center, right? Between a man and a woman, just because society has taken a thought and an idea and has morphed that into something that has caught fire with large groups of people does not make it right. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Why would we think that people that are without God would ever come up with godly ideas? Hello? Right? If you're without God, you will not think godly ideas. So we can't just take these things in the world and just adopt them. And this type of you know, societal movement will have a negative effect on your thought life if you don't hold it up against the word of God. So Satan, the world, and lastly, our own flesh. Our own flesh. We all have a sin nature, and the scripture calls that our flesh. We consistently have this inner war between our flesh and our spirit, and it can be an enemy of godly thinking. And it's sneaky because our flesh can feel very natural, right? It's just, it's just, it's just who I am. It's how God made me. I just react that way, and I just think that way. And if we're not careful, that can be a cop-out 
for what God really wants to do in our lives to say, that's just who I am and it's how I was made. Well, yeah, that might be true, but there's a spirit of God on the inside of each one of us that desires to reflect Christ. And so we can be changed, and even our very nature can be changed. My wife and I have a, a friend um, that just recently got saved, and we actually had the opportunity to shoot her, her wedding just recently. But it was the most radical transformation that I've personally ever witnessed in my life from someone who didn't know God to someone who did know God. And her very nature was completely changed because she submitted to God. Like, it, it almost brought me to tears thinking about it because I've been around church my whole life, and you see change in people, but when you see something radical like that, it really just shows what God desires to do in each and every one of our lives. And this girl just grabbed a hold and went along for the ride. And so we all can experience that in our thought life because our, our spirit doesn't bow to our flesh. It's the other way around. In Romans 12, too, it says like, like this. It says, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the question remains today, and we'll end on this, is what do we do with negative thoughts when they come in to our mind? I'm glad you asked, because Scripture has an answer for it. All right, we're going to look at it. 2 Corinthians 10, 15. And the Bible really speaks of this verse with urgency. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, take captive. Everybody say, take captive. We take captive every thought, and we make that thought obedient to Christ. Don't let wrong thoughts rattle around in your head. Don't do it, because it does not take long for those things to take root. But when we have a wrong thought, what do we do? It says to take captive, hold it up against the word of God. And if it doesn't hold water against God's word, we toss it aside. And then what do you do? Get a scripture and what God's word says about it and replace that thought in your mind with that scripture. That's super practical. Take it. If it doesn't hold water to God's word, find out what God's word says, discard that one, and begin meditating on the scripture that is from God. We can all do that. We can write it down on a postcard. We can type it in our phone. We can handwrite it on a letter. But discard that thought and find out what God says about it. And if it doesn't hold water, we got to get rid of it. Don't allow it to take root in our lives. Because if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. How many of you guys have ever known better, but still done something? That's proof right there. We can know what's right, but when wrong thoughts take root, it's too late. We'll never change what we do by God's grace if we don't change how we think. Last scripture here, Philippians 4, 6. I know there's a lot of scripture, but God is very, very clear about our thought life. It says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, this is what we're supposed to do, present your request to God. And then here's the promise. Man, if you want peace in your life, it's right here. He says, present it to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think on these things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it in practice. And the peace of God will be with you. That's what he says. He says you got a situation that you don't have peace in or you have a wrong thought, bring it to God with prayer and supplication. Ask God to help us to renew our minds. And then peace beyond all understanding will come into that area of our lives. I don't know about you, but peace beyond understanding sounds really, really good. When we were on that hike, just, just camping out by the water, it was like the most peaceful thing in the world. There wasn't noise. You were just there with you and your thoughts. It was just, it was amazing. God desires that we have that type of peace in every area of our life. The type of peace where the world can be falling down around us, but we're sure in who God is and sure in who we are. And we're fine. We're peaceful. And what's it say? Bring those things to Christ and he will give you peace. And then it goes on to say, and do the things that are in my word, right? Do the things that you've heard me say and you've seen me do. And I will also give peace to your life this way. So why are our thoughts important? Because we move, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Take them captive. Don't let them rattle around in your head. Know the three enemies. The devil, the fallen world, our own sin nature. Know what's up against us in this battle. But the cool thing about it is, the word promises that we win the battle. It's just working out the things that it says in there. It's like knowing the answers ahead of a test. It's knowing that it'll work out. It's trusting Him. It's allowing God's peace to fill our lives. But it's just working out God's Word through prayer. Let me pray for you. Well, God, we thank You so much for Your Word today. Lord, I know that, um, Lord, our thought life is so important. I really do think back in the, the times of my life where, Lord, I just... I just didn't feel right with you or right in an area of my life. I can, I can look back and see the wrong thoughts that were attached to that. So God, I thank you that we are a body of believers. We are a group of your children that will not settle, Lord, for just letting our thoughts run rampant. Lord, but we are a group of people who desire, Lord, to, to, to know you and to get your perspective on situations of our life and to see your peace and your grace worked out in our lives, Father. We choose to take every thought captive and to hold it up against your word. And if it doesn't hold water, we get rid of it, Father, because we want the best for our lives. And so do you. So thank you for being there. Thank you for your grace that we stumble and we fall, but you're right there to lift us up. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that promises to lead and to guide us into all truth, which is the opposite of the lies of the enemy. All truth, all truth, all truth. So we just lift this up to you today, Father. We thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.